Good morning again. Uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke today, still in chapter 1. Continue the story from where we left off last week. Last week we saw a pretty impressive response from Mary as she receives the news that she will carry the Messiah. Uh, remember we talked last week, if you were here, if you don't, you don't remember, that she's just a teenager, uh, just a young girl, anywhere between probably 13 and 19 years of age. And her response is, is one of great faithfulness when she receives the news. And we talked last week a little bit about how hard that this step will be for her. Um, no one's going to believe her story. No one's going to think she's telling the truth. Remember, she's engaged, so now she has to deal with the fact that she has a fiancé who's probably also not going to believe the story, right, of this immaculate conception. And she's in, a, she's in a weird spot. There are a few people, though, in her life that we think will, will understand. And she's going to spend some time with those people here. And there's some great wisdom in that, by the way, of going to people who are going to be able to resonate and, and understand what you're going through. And we're, we're going to talk about that probably at length today. She's going to go to Zechariah and Elizabeth, who of themselves, of course, we know, right before Mary, received the same news that they were going to have a son, even though they had never been able to have a son. That the angel had appeared to Zechariah while he's at the temple, and this angel had appeared to Mary as well. So that if there's two people on planet Earth who understand what she's going through, she finds those two people. And I think there's some great wisdom in that. We'll talk about that as we go. So Luke 1, beginning in verse 39, says this. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is a child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. What a, what a greeting Mary has from, from Elizabeth as she enters the home. And John, we know, it'll be John the Baptist, is in utero still, in womb, leaps inside her. Which is a conversation all among itself, isn't it? About the, the sanctity and preciousness of life, even when that life is in the womb. That's not a conversation we're going to have today, but that is a conversation that is important. That we, have, that we have always is the fact that that little baby inside Elizabeth is not a clump of cells. It's not a fetus. It is a child created in the very image of God. It always has been and it always will be no matter what anyone says. That child, prompted of course by the Holy Spirit, goes wild inside of her. Now for those of us who are male, we've never experienced this I remember uh, when Alden was inside of Stacy, and as time went on, as he got bigger, he would take his hand or his foot, right, and bring it across her stomach. And I thought to myself, that's an alien, and it's going to come out any time here, right? Because <laughs> what's happening is not right. I mean, you could literally almost make out his toes, right, as he, as he pushes and stretches inside there. I thought to myself, ooh, right, this is a little, it was the first one. Once you get done with the first one, it's Okay. But this, this baby's going wild inside of her, right? And we know the kind of person John's going to be, so it's kind of fitting, right? Wild man himself here. 
not going to conform, not going to be like everybody else, but that's what God sent him to do, was to not conform and to not be like everybody else and to be the forerunner, to prepare the world for this Jesus. And John is already taking that role before he can say a word or make a decision or has even entered into the world fully. Elizabeth's response to her, though, is, is great in verse 42. Remember, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Man, does Mary need to hear that, and does Mary need to keep hearing that? Because these nine months for Mary are going to be difficult. They just are, right? They just are. And so she has come to a place where she is safe. She's come to a place where she can tell her story, and they will understand it, they will hear it, and they will be on her side. And I think that's a very important thing for her to do at this point. I think there's a great lesson in that for all of us as well. That there's times in life where you just need to be around people who are going to understand you, who are going to get it, who have a shared experience with you. There's, there's great value in that, in just being around someone who you can let your guard down and just be who you are. Sadly, we, we live in a world where we tend to have to wear a, a facade from time to time, don't we? Maybe it's at work, maybe it's somewhere else, and we, we, don't, we feel like we can't maybe be who we really are deep down inside. And that's, eventually that robs a little bit of who we are. And Mary's going to have a struggle here in the months to come as she answers questions that people are going to have about why she's pregnant and she's not married. And like we said earlier, there are a few people on planet Earth that are going to believe her story. There's great value in her starting out, though, with people who support her and who will love her unconditionally. We need to find those same types of people in our life who are just there for us, who are just going to go to bat for us. Elizabeth, Zechariah, have provided a safe home for Mary to come spend some time with. But also think about what's happening on the reverse. Remember, Elizabeth and Zechariah are not young, and they're about to have a child and a baby. And I don't care what age you are when you have a baby. Man, that's exhausting. That's tired. I was, we were in our 20s when we had our, and I, that was, I was spent. I, right? And I didn't have to have the baby. I just had to take care of it. And I was spent. I think after Stacy had Alden, we had Alden in Ontario. And she just given birth and, you know, did all the work. And I just sat there and shoveled ice cubes in her mouth and held her hand while she squeezed it real hard. I remember saying to her at one point, I'm, I'm tired. And she looked at me like, you're joking, right? <laughs> Probably not the time, right? I mean, I was tired. I've been to work and, you know, I mean, it's... A, but I was like, yeah, I get it. You're probably a little more tired than I am because you sort of did all that and I was just a witness here feeling pretty helpless from time to time. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And we have stories of, of, of getting up in the middle of the night trying to help feed Alden because he had to take special formula because he was lactose intolerant and falling asleep. And Stacey had to come find me in the rocking chair with Alden crying and I have the bottle half made, but I'm spent because I have to go to work at five in the morning, right? And it's, it's tiring. And so think about the fact as well that while I think Mary is reaping a huge reward by being there with Zachariah and Elizabeth, Aren't they getting some help too? As they prepare to have John, 
you have this, this young girl who's early in her pregnancy, so she might not be feeling well. She might be having morning sickness, but she's there, and she has energy, and she wants to help. What a, what a, what a beautiful thing is happening here is that Mary can be of assistance and help to Zechariah and Elizabeth as much as they are helping and being assistance to her. That's why I think we forget some time with discipleship. As Christians, we're always, if you've been a Christian for a long time and you're not discipling someone younger than you, you need to stop, hit the pause button and think to yourself, what am I doing with my life? Your job, if you've, if you've been in church, you've been a Christian, you've followed Jesus for 30, 40, 50 years and you're hoarding that to yourself, that's super selfish. Because there's those of us who are not that far along who need your wisdom and your knowledge and your help. And what, what do you think this time that Mary gets to spend with Zachariah and Elizabeth is, is that, right? It's discipleship. But what we learn is discipleship is that the younger person often gives, gives us all kinds of wisdom and knowledge as well. That discipleship isn't a one-way street. It's not, oh, I've been, I've been around for 30 years, so let me teach you everything I know. That's part of it. What you'll realize in the midst of that is you're going to learn just as much from the person you're discipling. And isn't that what's happening here? Is it's, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Everyone's getting something from the other one and they're, they're more than willing to provide it. And God has arranged it. We have to remember those moments in our lives. When, what has, when are those times when God has arranged this meeting of these people? And we can be there and we can be together. Because remember what we learned in Luke chapter 1, verse 36, just a few verses before this. Mary is being told all this news and she asks how why right what's how do i do this how do, how do i know this is true and the angel's response in verse 36 is even elizabeth your relative is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month she needs mary just as much as mary needs her and so if you're someone man or woman doesn't matter who's been around a while, who's been around the block a time or two, please don't keep all that to yourself. One of the reasons that the church has to be multi-generational, has to be, it's not an option, has to be, is for that purpose exactly. It's for those who are younger in their faith to learn from those who have been there and done that. Who have been through conflict, who have been through raising kids, who have been through all those things that happen in life. There's someone in the church who has that answer for it. That's why the church has to be deep and wide. That's why I think God created it, is to do exactly that. And I think we're seeing a taste of that right here with Mary, Zechariah, and Elizabeth. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her, is how she ends this section. Blessed. And Mary's going to have to remember that when she leaves this safe place and goes back to the quote-unquote real world, which, sorry for all you graduates, you have to hear all that like constantly. It's like, oh, I didn't know I was living in the fake world this whole time. That's good to know, right? It's like, they know. We understand. But she's going to need to treasure this all up and keep this. That this is a blessing. Because there's going to be times when the blessing feels an awful lot like a curse as she carries this child with her. The story continues in verse 46. And look at Mary's response. This is Mary's, in your Bible, it might be entitled Mary's Song. Remember, she's a teenager. Like, don't lose sight of that. 
she's, she's very young. But just because you're young doesn't mean you lack wisdom. I know a lot of people who are old who are dumb. I, I, was th- I don't know how to word that differently. I know that might come across. I'm just going to give it to you straight. And I know a lot of young people I've had in the youth group who have great wisdom. So just because you're young doesn't mean you can't do something great. And just because you're old doesn't mean that you've done the work to actually achieve something great. Maybe you haven't. Look at Mary's response. She's just a teenage girl. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. What a response. And this is just a song of praise. That's all it is. It's a song of praise. It's a response to what God has done for her, and her response is praise, which, by the way, is the exact right response. For those of you who've been to Bible study, what we saw in the book of Daniel, when Daniel, first of all, begins... In the book of Daniel, he is also a teenager. And what we realize very early on in the book of Daniel is that Daniel is just faithful. And when he has a hard time and trial and comes to God, his response when God answers the bell on his behalf is praise. And look at Mary's response. It is praise. Now remember, this isn't going to be easy. This isn't... This isn't rainbows and unicorns and butterflies, right? That's not what this is. This is going to be hard. This is going to be a grind. And not only is it going to be hard for her while Jesus is, in, is, is inside of her, it's going to be hard for her his entire life. Because remember, the cross casts quite a heavy shadow over the manger. And the only person that we know of who is at both those events, the birth of Jesus, the death and the burial of Jesus, is this woman right here. Mom. She's the one. She's the only one we know for sure is at both. She's got a hard road ahead of her. Decades and decades. And yet, her response is one of praise. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has been mindful of the humble state of His servant. Pay attention to that theme, by the way, because that is one of the themes of this song. Remember, Mary is a nobody from nowhere in the eyes of the world. And yet God picks nobodies from nowhere all the time to do great things in his kingdom. He does not care 
where you were born or to whom you were born to. What he's asking from all of us is just faithfulness. That's what he's asking. Mary is the personification of that word in every way. Look at her response. Look at where she's from. Look at She's nothing special. She's not royalty. She's not a princess. She's not any of those things, the titles the world might give to people. She's just Mary, and yet God chose her for the most important task the world's ever known, to bring about the most important person the world has ever had. From now on, she says, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud. Proud is the opposite of humble in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers. They're not known for their humility, just so you know, FYI, from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry, those who can't even feed themselves with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. What what a song. And what a response. The awesome thing is, is Mary who knows her Bible, because the Bible at this point is just what we would refer to as the Old Testament. Mary's song sounds familiar. It's like she knows her word. Because like, why wouldn't she know her word? Because she's faithful. If you go to the book of 1 Samuel, there's a woman there. Her name is Hannah. She, she's unable to have a baby. Story sounds familiar, right? And her husband has another wife because he's crazy. Good. I was hoping you'd catch that one. It was a joke, ladies, right? I'm sure having two wives is great. I'm sure it's fantastic. I'm sure it... one wife is able to have child after child after child, and she, she lords that over Hannah in some pretty terrible ways. Hannah's unable to have a child. And so she prays. And she prays and she prays. And God finally grants her request and she's going to give birth to Samuel. I don't know if you know Samuel or not, but he's a character in the Old Testament you need to know. Because he's got the stuff that God's looking for. And when this happens for her, this is her response. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. 
The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and He exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them He has set the world. He will guard the feet of His faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. When you put those two side by side, there is parallel after parallel. And if you think about the theme of Mary's song, which is humility, humbleness, Hannah's song is the same. The theme is the same. It's humbleness. I'm not saying that Mary takes from Hannah's song, what I think is we have the Holy Spirit who guides Mary in her song. And it sounds like other people who have been through difficulty but have stayed true and faithful to their God. And what a response from both Hannah and Mary when God chooses them to bring about someone great. And this section ends in verse 56. It says this, Mary stayed with Elizabeth Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Three months of refuge and hopefully three months of help that Mary gives to Elizabeth as she gets towards the end of her pregnancy. In Luke, earlier on in chapter 1, verse 26, when all the story of Mary began... Luke gave us a clue. He's giving us another clue here. In Luke 1.26, it says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And he's going to speak, of course, to Mary. Elizabeth is six months along. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but if she's six months along, or a little plus by the time Mary gets there, and Mary stays three months, what probably happens while Mary is there? She gives birth. What is God doing in this story? Does Elizabeth have the help of Mary? And does Mary get to see how this whole thing is going to happen with her? Even in the most minute of details, when we pay attention to them in the Bible, we realize that God's grace is far beyond anything we will ever be able to comprehend that Elizabeth and Mary need each other and God gives them to each other. So now Mary knows how this whole thing, remember she's a teenager, she has to be terrified of giving birth. And she's there, I think. And Elizabeth gives birth to John. Now she knows how it's going to go. She has some answers. And she's also there to help care for that baby when it's first born, before she returns back home. What can we say about our God? He provides for us even to the most small detail that we could possibly imagine. He is there for us. And He cares deeply for us. And He provides, He gives a hard task to both Elizabeth and Mary, yet provides them help all along the way. I think Mary is there when Elizabeth gives birth to John. There's good reason to believe that. 
Because our God has always and will always provide for us. He has always taken care of us, and he always will. So in the moment when you feel overwhelmed by whatever task God has put before you, just take a deep breath. Remember that God has been honoring his promises for thousands of years. He's not going to stop now. He will give you the words. He will give you the help you need in the moment. It doesn't mean you might stumble and trip over some of them, but God is there. He has you. If you cling tightly to him, he will pull you through. He always has, and he always will. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here today. To open up your word and to read an amazing song from Mary and from Hannah. Two amazing examples of what it means to follow you and to be faithful to you. God, we can only imagine trying to put ourselves in Mary's shoes of how terrified and scared she must be at certain times of this pregnancy. How she will be looked on by people in her community with great shame and disgust. Because they're not going to believe the story, God. And yet she, she takes this task, this incredibly important task on without, without doubting you, but instead trusting you that you'll see her through. God, would you help us to, to do the same, to trust you, no matter what. To put our full hope and confidence in you. Because you have always been and will always be there for us. Even when it feels like you're not. Even when we don't understand what's going on. Even when we, we don't have the answers and we have far more questions. You're there. And so we thank you. God, we want to lift up our graduates to you. Johnny and Levi. As they take a step into the unknown. And we know it can be terrifying. It can be scary. It can be scary not just for them, but also for their families. God, we just pray that you would guide them, that you would be with them, give them your wisdom and your help. Wherever they do next, God, wherever that next step may be, that they would trust in you, that they would cling tightly to you with everything they have, and that they would honor you always. God, we thank you for all that you do for us. We thank you most of all for your son, Jesus. And it's in his powerful and holy name we pray and all God's people said. Amen.